I, I want to take a minute. I just want to say, man, the last few weeks have been really, really special. Uh, just being able to, uh, first we had tailgate at the beginning of the month. It was really just amazing. God helped us. And, and uh, as we've talked about so many times, over 70 people gave their lives to Christ, which was uh, no small thing. And God is worthy of praise for that. So we can take a minute. We give God praise for that. So cool. God's on the move. And then the last two weeks, we've been talking about what God has done in, in our church uh, over the last 10 years. So we celebrated how he's helped us. And then we, last week, we talked about how he's uh, going before us and what he has planned for us. And so I just, I just love being a part of a church that's really in this thing, you know, for the right reasons. And so I just want to thank each of you for your involvement, for your sacrifice, for your commitment, for your generosity. I really do believe God is doing amazing things, and I think uh, you guys are worthy of great honor. So I know you wouldn't clap for yourself. Would you clap for the person sitting next to you? Come on, give it up for a great church, amazing people, amazing volunteers. I love you guys. I love you. Um, well, hey, we are jumping back into Matthew. So Matthew, man, we've been in this series for the last uh, several months. We start at the beginning of the year, and we are looking at uh, not only just a book of the Bible, but we're looking at someone's personal story. Here's this guy, Matthew. This is, this is his personal account of what Jesus has done for him, how Jesus has helped him, how Jesus has changed him, changed his life. Matthew was living for a different kingdom. He was living for the kingdom of Rome. He was living, really living for the kingdom of self. And then Jesus shows up to his tax collector's booth and says, follow me. Jesus says, I've got a plan for you. I want to redeem you. You've been following yourself. I want to give you something truly meaningful to follow. I want to give you, I want to give you God. I want to give you the opportunity to live on mission. And so Matthew says yes, and, and of course, the rest is history. We've been covering this in, this in this gospel. And so, so far, we're in Matthew chapter 10. We've seen Jesus heal the sick. We've seen Jesus raise the dead. We've seen Jesus drop truth bombs left and right on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's been amazing. Uh, last few weeks uh, before uh, tailgate, we were talking about how Jesus is assembling his kingdom impact team. He's getting his disciples together. He's getting ready to send them out. He's going to make a massive difference in the world, and uh, before he does, he has this little talk with them, and so we hit part one right before tailgate, and it's just talk about being bold. It's, it's talk about being about the right things. It's just talk about being centered on what really matters. And, and now we're going to be covering the second part of that, and it, it has everything to do with having incredible zeal that won't always be appreciated. How many of you know zeal isn't always appreciated? Do you have any, anybody have a friend who's just a little much? <laughs> Anybody have like a friend who's just like a little bit extra? Come on, raise your hand. You got a little bit of friend. Okay, how many of you are that friend? Come on, you're just a little bit extra. You're a little bit extra. You're just a little much, if you're being honest. Like, you're just a little bit extra. Um, if this, what we're going to be talking about reminds me of this, uh, this movie, one of the best Christmas movies of all time, the movie Elf. How many of you guys remember Elf? <laughs> Anybody ever seen Elf? Uh, Buddy the Elf, he is... Uh, Santa is, uh, finds Buddy, brings him back to the North Pole, raises him there, and this is a fictional story for those who aren't sure, uh, raises him at the, at the North Pole as an elf, and so, but Buddy finds out that he's human. He realizes that he's, that he's not an elf, and so he's like, I, 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 have, I have a different dad, and he wants to go meet his real dad, and so he goes to New York City where his dad lives and works, and he meets his real dad, and of course, he, he falls in love with this 
this girl who's dressed as an elf but isn't really an elf, and, uh, and she's playing an elf in a department store, and they fall in love. Everybody say, aw. It's so sweet, right? You remember the movie? It's just so great. And so he falls in love, and his dad is, like, his job is on the line, and so he's having this important board meeting, and he's getting ready to get this, this script that's going to change his life. It's going to bring them back into business. It's going to be incredible. And so he's getting ready to have this presentation, and Buddy busts into the room, and he says, of course, some of the most famous lines in all of movie history, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who... Do you guys remember the line? Do you remember this part, right? And of course, if you know the movie, it doesn't go very well for Buddy <laughs> at this point. Dad's not happy, and the guy at the end of the table, who Buddy insists on calling an elf, isn't really happy either, and flips him over the table, and it's this whole moment. And, um, and it really sets the stage for, for this passage of scripture, and it's really an idea that was communicated earlier this year in a movie that came out called The Jesus Revolution. How many saw The Jesus Revolution? Raise your hands. If we can have the lights just a little bit brighter, that'd be cool. Um, Jesus Revolution, great movie that came out. If you haven't seen it, want to encourage you to see it. It's amazing. It's literally amazing. And it's a true story. So this literally happened. And, and it, it basically, it, the story tells a group of people, they were hippies that got saved. And these guys are on fire. Like, they are, like, zealous. They are, like, I, they are bold for Jesus. They're on fire for Jesus. And it's, it's, it's what happened in the Jesus movement. In fact, we have a couple pictures of the Jesus movement here. Look at this. These people are on fire for God. They're setting up uh, stages. They're putting banners out. Get another one there. Look, at this is the actual... Um, uh, this would have been some of the characters that were in the Jesus Revolution. They're getting baptized in the ocean, and they're giving God glory. Maybe. And this is Billy Graham preaching on a very 70s-style stage. Come on, somebody. I said we bring, bring some of that design element back. But there was, such a, there was such a passion. There was such an authenticity. There was such an over-the-top zealousness to these people in the Jesus movement who got saved in the Jesus movement. But like Buddy the Elf, it wasn't always appreciated. It wasn't always appreciated. In fact, people started calling them names. People, people who didn't understand what was going on, they started picking on them. They started saying insults, derogatory comments towards them, and they started calling them Jesus freaks. They started calling them Jesus freaks. And they're like, oh, man, you guys, are, you, guys are so, you guys are way over the top. You guys are messed up. You guys are Jesus freaks. And instead of being insulted by it, they were inspired by it. And they wore it as a badge of honor. And they said, you better believe it. We're Jesus freaks. And they wore it as, with pride. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about being a Jesus freak. Okay, so people in the Jesus Revolution or Jesus Movement, you're hitting that, hearing that, it's hitting you one way. People in my generation, you're hearing Jesus Freak, it hits you in a different way. Because you remember a band called DC Talk, who came up with a song, a little bit of a hit song. What will people think if they hear that I'm a Jesus Freak? I mean, it, you guys, re okay, it's hitting you. You're going back. Gen Z, you have no idea what's happening right now. But it's all about what Jesus is getting at in this passage that I want to tease out today in Matthew chapter 10. And so I want to, uh, we're going to start in verse 32. And again, the whole idea is Jesus is going to give us some uncomfortable truths, some uncomfortable truths on how we actually live this thing out. 
Is our faith real to us? Is our faith, is our faith meaningful to us? And does it hit the deepest core of our being? Are we Jesus freaks or are we Jesus fakes? Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Here we go. Matthew chapter 10. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. All right, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Again, this is Jesus saying this. And this word acknowledges is the word homo legoo, which means admit, profess, confess, allegiance, or make an emphatic assertion. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be in this category of people where Jesus is saying, I'm professing my allegiance with them. I'm, I'm making an emphatic assertion of my relationship with them. How many want to be in that group of people? That's what Jesus is saying. If you acknowledge Jesus, he acknowledges you. If you say, I'm with Jesus, he says, well, I'm with you. If you profess Jesus, Jesus will be with you. That's really encouraging. But if you don't confess Jesus, the opposite plan is not very nice. Look at this, verse 33. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now, that word disowns me is the word... Uh, are neomai, and it means to disown, to disregard, to deny, or pay no attention to. How many of you know we don't want to be a part of that grouping? Like that's that we don't. You don't want to be associated with that. I don't want to be in that classification. It reminds me of one of the scariest verses in the Bible, in my opinion, Matthew chapter seven, which says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That's some pretty intense stuff right there, isn't it? Like, I mean, think about this. People are saying, Lord, 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 to Jesus. They're doing miracles. They're casting out demons. And Jesus is like, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I don't have a relationship with you and the question is why how how can it happen how can people do miracles in Jesus name because here's the reality people like that I believe weren't doing it for God and they weren't doing it to serve others they were doing it for themselves to be seen by others and this goes back down to uh, relationship versus religion or being a Jesus freak or being a Jesus fake and it's what God wants to clarify in our lives. We have to ask ourselves the question, am I using God for my glory to be seen by others, or am I letting God use me to serve others for his glory? Now, that should get a lot more amens. I should look, I mean, that's, that's what it comes to. Do we have that on the screen? If we do, can we throw it back up? There, just leave that on the screen for a moment. I want you to think about this. How do you approach God? Are you using God for your glory to be seen by other people? Is your, is your faith fake? Is it all about appearances? Is it all about going through motions? Or has it hit a core in your being where like, buddy, you're like, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Are you letting God use you to serve others for his glory? This is a question I want us to wrestle with. Are you a Jesus freak? Are you a Jesus fake? And that's what Jesus is hitting at. I mean, he's getting real with us in this passage of scripture. Verse 34, 
Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, I bet Simon Peter and Simon the Zealot are getting really excited when they hear Jesus say this. Because if, you know, if you know Simon Peter, he's a, little, he's a little sword trigger happy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's ready, he's, he's ready to go to battle. In fact, when they come to arrest Jesus, he, he takes out a sword and he starts swinging it, cuts a dude's ear off. I mean, this guy was ready. He's likes to fight guy. Have you ever met likes to fight guy? You know, that's Simon Peter. And Simon the Zealot was probably the same. So when they're hearing Jesus talk about taking a sword, doing some business, they're like, yes, let's go. Let's get after it. And we mentioned this last week. There were a group of people who were waiting for the Messiah, and they believed that the Messiah was going to come and violently overthrow the Roman government. But what Jesus is getting at here and what he's getting at over and over again throughout the Gospel of Matthew is that he's not coming to overthrow an earthly kingdom. He's not establishing an earthly kingdom. He's establishing a heavenly kingdom. He's, a, he's a, establishing a spiritual kingdom. So when he's talking about a sword here, he's talking about a spiritual sword. He's talking about the word of God. It's what the apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 when he talks about the sword of the spirit. Or in Hebrews chapter 4 where it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the, what is it? There's four people who are paying attention right here. You're reading along. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Oh, can you put it back on the screen? Y'all, I mean, put it back. There we go. Okay. There it is. Everybody, let's do this together. Thoughts and attitudes of the, come on, everybody, heart. What is Jesus most concerned with? Your heart. I'm just telling you. That's what Jesus is saying right here. He's most concerned with your heart. Changes your heart, he will change everything about you, your now and your eternity. And so when he's talking about bringing a sword, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about cutting the cancerous sinfulness, selfishness out of our hearts. That's what he's come to bring. He's come to make us new. Verse 35, he says, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Like, Jesus, you don't need any help for that. I mean, we have people doing that on, on their own, say, Just kidding, sorry. <laughs> a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, let's dig into this a little bit. What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying, I've come to cause some family drama I've come to cause some issues, some strife in your household. Is that what Jesus is all about? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You re the, the whole of Scripture is talking about the peace of God. Jesus in the Beatitudes will say, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, peace is one of the most important fruit of the Spirit. So it's one of the things we have as believers. Paul will talk about this when he says, there is a peace that passes all understanding. God is a God of peace. His name is peace, and he wants us to walk in great peace. So he wants us to experience this. So what is Jesus saying here? What is he trying? He's talking about that when you walk in divine alignment with God, anybody else that is not walking in that divine alignment will be moving in a different direction. 
They will be at odds with you. They will be at opposition with you. So if someone is under the kingdom of darkness and you are in the kingdom of light, you are going to be separated. You're going to have different values. You're going to have different priorities. You are moving in an entirely different direction. So don't be, so don't be surprised when you see things so differently. It's what the Apostle Paul gets at in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 when he says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Is he saying that you can't be friends with unbelievers? No. Is he saying that you shouldn't have relationships with unbelievers? No. He's saying, I believe he's saying, don't be yoked. Don't be in partnership. Certainly this applies to marriage. Don't be married to someone who's an unbeliever. It's just going to be, you're moving in a different direction. You're moving in, your values are different. I think this also could apply to business partnerships and agreements. But this this goes to the understanding of like, if you're in a family with someone and and they're not a follower of Christ, you are going to be moving in a different direction. Your values are going to be different. So don't be surprised when you have struggled. That's what Jesus is trying to get at. He's like, I've got different values, and when you're with me, man, it's going to be different. And that's why, and he wants to make this super clear. He's after relationship, and he wants the relationship with him to be priority. Verse 37, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Do you, should you honor your father and mother? Yes. It's a commandment. Should you love them more than God? No. That's what he's saying. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Should you love your children? Yes. Should you love them more than God? No, that's what he's saying here. It's very clear. It can't, in our life, Jesus has to be the most important thing. It can't be, it can't be, he can't be an add-on. He can't be an addendum. He can't be a hobby. It can't be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm an American. I live in Missouri. I like Chiefs football. You know, I'm a, I'm a car person. Or, or what other hobbies do you guys like to do? I don't know. I don't have any hobbies. I'm a fisherman. Any fishermen out there? There are no fishermen. That one, okay. Are you a Chiefs fan? If you're a Chiefs fan. So, like, it's all, you can't have all of these hobbies, and, and then you're like, and I'm a Jesus follower. Throw that on there. And I serve at the soup kitchen. No, 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 no. It can't be, it can't be stuff plus Jesus equals life. It can't be that. It has to be life equals Jesus or Jesus equals life. That's what it has to be. That's what it has to be. It's him. It's him. He is the source of life. And then everything else flows from that. Any life apart from Jesus isn't really life at all. So that's why Jesus is going to get real aggressive here. So turn person next to you and say, get ready. Come on, tell someone next to you and say, get ready. It, he, he was just getting started with all that mother against father and all that stuff. Like he's, he's just getting started. Watch this. Verse 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. You know what he's saying there? Whoever's willing to die. Unless, unless you're so all in. Unless you're so bought in that Jesus has every aspect of your life, heart and soul, life and death, you're not worthy. You're, you're a fake. I mean, that's, that's what he's saying here. 
And whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Bars, Jesus, bars. If you think that you can get life outside of God and you can grab all this stuff and you can accumulate a bunch of things and you think that's what makes you secure, you will watch that fade away from you. But if you, if you hold on to Jesus, then nobody can take your life from you. Nobody can take it from you. Verse 40 This is where he promises rewards. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. He's talking about his relationship with the Father here. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So if someone's speaking truth to you and you welcome them as a prophet, like, hey, you'll you'll get the reward. And whoever receives a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Jesus is talking about rewards. Let me just tell you this. Jesus talks about rewards a lot. He's not afraid to tell you you're going to get stuff when you follow him. He's not afraid to tell you you're going to get stuff when you do the right thing for him, when you sacrifice for him. He does that a lot. He does that a lot. And then he boils all of this heart talk, all of this personal stuff. He boils it down with a very interesting verse right here. And if anyone, everybody say anyone. Come on, everybody say anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose the reward. A very interesting passage, right? He's, I mean, he's getting, he's getting down to business saying, are you in or are you out? Are you for me or are you against me? Are you a Jesus freak or are you a Jesus fake? And he's breaking this down and he says the way you will know if you are is if you take care of my other disciples. You see that? It's crazy. It's crazy. I want to I break this passage down. Three realities to keep in mind if we want to live as a Jesus freak. Number one, if you're with Jesus, he's got your back. Number two, people make wonderful blessings but terrible gods. And number three, love God, serve people in that order. Before we jump into this, I want you to turn and tell three people, I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. Come on, find three people and just tell them that. Say, I don't really care if they label me a Jesus freak. Bert, you don't even know it. You still don't know it. Can we, can we do it next week? Okay. <laughs> It's a great song, y'all. You need to Google it, Gen Z. You need to Google it. Change your life. All right. First of all, if you're with Jesus, he's got your back. Jesus says this. If you acknowledge me, I'll acknowledge you. I, I just want us to think about this for a moment. Just like let, let, the, let the fact that it's a sermon just go away for a second. Just imagine Jesus speaking that to you. If, you're with, if you acknowledge me, I acknowledge you. Think about that for a moment. I love, I love the power of that. We love all of the verses that talk about how God is good, right? 
How many believe God is good? He is. He is. He is just good. And, and if God is for us, who can be against us? And we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me. We love all of these. And they're amazing and they're beautiful and they're true and they're incredible. But they only, they only mean anything if you're with Jesus. You only get access to those things. If you're with Jesus, God is good. He wants to be good. But you've got to be in relationship with him to experience the fullness of his goodness. Some of the goodness that God creates, you just experience. Because, as the Bible says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So sometimes you just get God's blessing because you might be around people who are blessed. Or we live in a country that's certainly blessed or whatever. Sometimes you just walk in goodness. But if you want the fullness of God's blessing, you've got to be with Jesus. You got to be with Jesus. It's kind of like getting a backstage pass to an event. Anybody ever had a backstage pass to an event? Just raise your hand if you've no access here. Like literally we have no access. Uh, you got to try it sometime. It's amazing. I've only had a couple of times where like what's well, even better than a, than a backstage pass. So, like if you get a backstage pass, you get like a lanyard or like a little bracelet. But what's even better than a backstage pass is being with somebody who doesn't need a pass? Because you just get to go because they're going. Like, you just like, you walk up to security, like, what's up? And then and they see the person you're with, like, oh, come on in. And if that person says, oh, they're with me, you get in because of them to access. I mean, this is kind of like Travis getting Taylor into the Super Bowl. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now, now, Taylor could sure buy tickets. She's got plenty of money. But maybe, maybe there's a place that Travis can get Taylor where Taylor couldn't get because she was with Travis, right? Which begs the question, is this why Taylor is dating Travis in the first place? <laughs> to get access to the next Super Bowl? And let's be honest, she's getting content for her next song. Come on, somebody, you know I mean? She's just... You know Travis is going to be a lyric like any minute, any minute now. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, back to Jesus. Stop messing around. <laughs> Jesus, is saying, Jesus is saying, you get access when you're with him. That's what he's saying. When you're with Jesus, you get access, certainly to eternity in heaven. Big deal. But I believe also you get access now. You get access now. Where, where is Jesus currently? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. That's what the Bible teaches. So when you're with Jesus, when you're bold for Jesus now, when you're confessing Jesus now, when you're taking a stand for Jesus now, you've got Jesus at the right hand of God professing you, saying, I'm in allegiance with you. I'm in relationship with you, taking a bold stand for you, moving things on your behalf. When you are with Jesus, Jesus is with you. That is a good word. Second Chronicles chapter 15 says this, the Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So these are eternal principles. These things were in activation in the Old Testament just as they are in the New Testament. I believe that you could also say this, the Lord is with you when you are with him, but also the Lord is with you to the degree you are with him. 
So if you spend a lot of time with God, you're going to have a lot of God in your life. Spend a little time with God, you're going to have a little God with you in your life. The more, that's why Jesus is like, man, I want you to be bold. I want you to be out there. I want you to be all in on this thing because that's where it hits. I, I really believe this. Some of you have tried a faith that is so weak and so religious, it doesn't even begin to strike a chord in your heart. And you're wondering why it's not working. Because you're not a Jesus freak. You're a Jesus fake. And you're missing, you're missing what God is calling you. You're missing the opportunity to have God working in your life. That's why we have water baptism happening in, in just a few weeks. I want to encourage you, October 15th, if you've made a decision, your next step is to go public. To go public, to go big, to go all in. There's something powerful about baptism. I don't know, it's just water and people, but God blesses it. He blesses it. If you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to do that. There's something powerful about it. God is looking for this public going all in. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. I'm all in for Jesus because Jesus has been all in for me. If you're with Jesus, Jesus got your back. Number two, people make wonderful blessings but terrible gods. Come on, we find someone next to you and say, you're such a blessing. Come on, just turn to that person next to you and say, you're such a blessing. It's such a blessing. Some of you came with people and you didn't turn to say that to them. That's really weird. <laughs> we'll go have some prayer for you at the end. <laughs> okay. People are a blessing. A good family member that just, that loves you is a blessing. A friend that you can be honest with is a blessing. Someone who helps you is a blessing. There's nothing like a great friend, a great relationship. People make great blessings, but they make terrible gods. They're not worthy of adulation. They're not worthy of our worship. Why? Well, number one, they're not God. We, and we are made. Here's something that's so fundamentally important for us. We are made in the image of God to reflect God's glory back to him and to have a relationship with him. That's why we sing, it's, his, it's your breath in our lungs. We are created from dust with the breath of God. The breath, the literal breath of God. You are made for God. So if you live for anybody else, it's a major less than. It's a major disappointment. You're frustrated because they're not meeting your expectations. And they're frustrated because they can't ever meet your expectations. People make terrible gods. But there is a God who is worthy of worship, and his name is Yahweh. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He was here before all things, and he will be here long after all things have faded away. 
He is the being one, the one who has always been and who will always be. He's the one who spoke words and formed universes. He's the one who parted seas and delivered nations. He's the one who made giants falls and raised shepherd boys up. He's the one who was born of a virgin and who died on a cross called Calvary. He's the good news and the good shepherd, and he is the light, the life, the way, and the truth, and he is a solid rock that will never be shaken, and he makes a wonderful God. He is worthy of worship. Come on. Can we give a praise in this place? Come on. Let's take a moment. God, you are worthy. You are worthy. There's something powerful just about even saying that. Just taking a moment and giving him praise. That's why we take time in worship. There's nothing like it. He's worthy of our worship, but he alone is worthy of our worship. People will fail you. God will never fail you. That's why it's important to know that spouses make terrible gods. That's low-hanging fruit, guys. Come on, that's, maybe you're a little worried. You don't want to amen too loud. But here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. We look, at, we look to our spouses to fulfill all of our needs and they don't and we're disappointed. Your spouse was never meant to fulfill all of your needs. They are a blessing to you, not the source of blessing for you. Only God can be that. Kids make terrible gods. But you know what? In our area, we're very good at making kids gods. We let them do whatever they want. We just bow to their every whim. We live vicariously through them. Come on, somebody. I know I'm preaching. And man, when, when we do that, we destroy them. And we wonder why we're so dissatisfied. Well, they're, you're making them into something they're not supposed to be. They're your child, not your God. But when you look to God, you can lead your child to God. When God is the center, you can lead your child. And actually, you know what? You're going to make them like a lot more happier. People make terrible gods, but God is a worthy God. So what's our conclusion? Love God. Serve people in that order. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that Jesus concludes all of this heart stuff about where is your allegiance and are you with me? Are you in this thing? Are you, gonna, are you willing to die for me? And some of us might be like, yes, I'm in. I often used to think about this as a staff pastor when I was on staff at James River. Like if someone would try to like attack you know, my pastor, or like, I would, like I would go in and I would like, or like Secret Service, I love Secret Service, like they take the bullet. Like, have you ever thought about like taking a bullet? Like I feel like I would wanna do it. I would, be, I would be that guy, put me in coach. I would take a bullet. Jesus is like, I want, you to, I want you to be willing to take a bullet. And I also want you to be willing to take a cup. Do you see that? I want, you to, I want you to be willing to die for me, but are you willing to live for me? You know, we live in an, a beautiful, blessed era in, right now in, in our country where most probably we won't have to, we, we won't have to 
deny Christ or profess Christ and our life depend on it. There are, there are many people whose lives depend on it. In fact, there's a book called Jesus Freaks. If you want to check it out, full of stories of martyrs, both past and present, who literally have to give up their lives, who literally have to, to lay down their lives. But most of us won't have to do that. Jesus is asking that for us, but he's also asking us to live for him. You don't have to give up your life, but you have to give your life. You don't have to take a bullet. You need to give a cup of cold water. And it goes to what Jesus says in John chapter 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know you are one of my disciples if you have the 16 different Christian t-shirts. By this, they will know you're my disciples if you have bumper stickers on your car, like with your family, all like five of you, and then a little cross. That's how they're gonna know. No. By this, they will know that you're my disciples by your church attendance. Really glad you're here, by the way, so please come back, okay? It matters. But it doesn't, it's not how they're gonna know. How are they gonna know? By the way you treat each other. I wish, I mean, it's so interesting that Jesus doesn't say if you give a cup of cold water to the lost. That makes sense. That's not what he says. He says if you give a cup of cold water to one of my disciples. He's saying how you treat each other shows the world. How you love one another shows the world. How you go to small group shows the world how you pray for each other shows the world that you are disciple of the God who spoke the world into existence do we want to make an impact church are you a Jesus freak or are you a Jesus fake I want to be all in will you stand to your feet we're going to take a moment we're going to pray I don't know about you, but I want to be all in. I, I don't want to go through motions. I don't want to have a nice, pretty church. I want to make an impact. Jesus is calling us to impact, and he knows what it takes. It doesn't take some mamby-pamby, weak, half-hearted, Half hand up, I mean, you know, like, boom, let's go. I'm in, I don't care. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for a freak. Where are my freaks at? <laughs> There's four of you. Where are the freaks? Come on. All in, all in, full on, 100%. I'm going to love, I'm going to lead, I'm going to go for it. I don't care. I'm going to boldly shine the light of Jesus Christ, and we're going to make a difference. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this got a hold of our hearts? 
Can you imagine what the world would say? Man, those people are different. It's not a game to them. It's not religion to them. They're all in. That will change the world. It did. It did. And it will. Amen?